Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Clint, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. Let the nuts hang. Let the fucker fly, man. Well, you never know what the hell is going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey. What other 50-year-old white man's out here doing a gritty that night? You know, whatever. But no, I'm serious. The lights went out. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. Dabo doing the gritty. I say right foot creep. Cheers, boys. Uh, college football playoff edition, George Whitfield, joined by my, my, my guys, Christian Hackenberg, Trevor Knight, produced by Dagan Hughes and Trevor Valise. Um, but we're going to actually start tonight, fellas, and, and I trust you guys are doing great. We're going to start tonight with news that affects us all because we're all a part of this football community. Last night, we, like everybody else, we watched DeMar Hamlin uh, of the Buffalo Bills fighting for his life um, on a routine play, what seemed to be a routine play. And the entire sports world and even networks that don't cover sports last night were covering his battle. Just wanted to just take a minute um honor the situation and get you guys the thoughts on that hack i'll start with you good to see you yeah man what was coming through your mind as you were watching that unfold last night yeah it's i'll, I'll preface it with this i think there's been a lot of people in the media obviously we're a little late on this who, who've already touched on it dan Orlowski did a great job trevor you mentioned it ryan clark and, and scott van pelt and, and to me it just highlights Again, the human element of football um, and the fact that I think us as a, as a society get so wrapped up in the game and, and what it means for their fandom and things of that nature. But oftentimes we lose that thought process that they're actually human beings. And in today's world, you know, human history has always craved some form of violent entertainment and, and we love football and we're, 
you know, these guys are, are modern day gladiators and, and to a lesser extent, you know, there's a lot of, uh, obviously protection and, and health protocols and, and, and things and evolutions that have been put in place to protect these players. But, you know, still something freaky like this can happen. And there has been people who have died on the football field in the past. And it's just a, a real brutal reminder of, of what these guys go through. Um, on a year to year basis. And, and, you know, for DeMar, you know, obviously seeing where, where this whole thing unfolds, but um, you know, I know he's in some good hands and there's a lot of people praying for him, a lot of people caring for him. So, um, you know, I think all of us here at the field of 12 and you guys are probably going to echo this, but um, just a tough situation, tough day for the sport of football, but nothing it can't overcome. And um, you know, hopefully he'll be a shining light in this whole, this whole thing. Yeah, yeah well, I agree. well said, well said, Hack. Um, I'll just add to that by saying that, that that was very difficult to watch for me. Um, puts a lot into perspective, as it did for most of us. Um, really captured the attention of, of our country, people that don't even uh, really care about football. Um, and, and I think that um, a lot of us that have said prayers, let's continue to do that and think about Damar and his family because. Um, you know, he, he still is in critical condition, as you mentioned, and there's a there's a long road ahead of him. Um, and, and we just hope and pray that it is a long road at this point. So um, just keep thinking about him. Uh, DeMar and his family, if you ever if you ever see this, uh, know that the field 12 is behind you. I'm personally been praying for you, but uh, re really difficult to watch. Yeah, I mean, it was. I think. And Hack already said it. I think this, the scariest thing that, that people in the football community deep down and don't want to like admit, we are going to lose somebody one day playing the game on the field. And we have these like close calls and, and like, I, I think like, and obviously you don't, no one wants that. But that's what made last night so scary. You're thinking, oh my God, please, please. And, and and all the intensity drew. This young man is being resuscitated on the field. Um, and to that, like, how tremendous were the medical people that were routinely yep. are just on the field, on the sidelines, every single game on standby. Uh, you know, just in case, and for the most of the part, they have, um, you know, a knee or a hamstring or this or that. And then like those first responders, literally, uh, like not enough is said about that. People just say what the procedure was. Then the other thing as the night goes on was like the uniform mattered less and less and the game mattered less and less by like the second. Like when you saw the players standing together from both teams and the staffs from both teams, then they had reports that the Bengals fans like start arriving at the hospital. Uh, Bengals players were outside or inside the hospital. Um, T Higgins and his family uh, wanted to stay, stayed for several hours. Uh, you know, I, I, I just, you know, so often we watch, and, and we all cover the sport and, but, and watch and enjoy other sports. You you know, road fans cheering and jeering. 
booing, you know, throwing stuff. Um, but this to me was like, okay, this is, this is really us. I think this is like really us at our best last night on, on a, a glance play on a glance play. People don't know about DeMar. Uh, he was not the starter for the bills. He's in for um, Jordan Poyer, who's out with a neck injury or Micah Hyde. Oh, sorry. The other safety. So he's in for Micah Hyde who had an, a critical neck injury. And then I watched a, a ton of stuff on DeMar fellas. It was less than two weeks ago. DeMar, I think it's on like Bill's TV and you should look this up. I'll send it to you. And he was going on about how important it is to enjoy every single day. Mm. He's like, you, literally he said this, he goes, you never know if you're out there playing, you never know. You, you got to cherish each play, each moment, each, this, each, that he goes, you never know. And I'm like, golly. So anyway, um, to that, I thought the guys covered everything and, yeah, I thought the guys covered everything tremendous last night at ESPN. Like, like you know, we were kind of just talking about this. Um, Ryan Clark, who people don't know, he he's operating today without organs, a spleen for sure, and I think something else. Um, from from some of those you know violent deals he's been in when he was playing his Super Bowl career, and I thought Scott Van Pelt, you said it. Um, you know, they just kind of just put their arms around the situation last night. I think they just took everybody with them. So, um, yeah, to echo what both you guys said, Field of 12, obviously we're praying for you. The family and um, and the youngster, 24 years old. It's, uh, it is not a smooth transition, but we're going to transition nonetheless uh, to other football. Fellas, the college football playoffs i mean if if the last 24 hours we couldn't be lower it feels like if we go back 72 hours it, it'd be it it's harder to get higher than that the two semifinal games were gems they're gonna go down as classics and they happen back to back and it almost felt like any combination of those four teams would have come down to the last play um Michigan falling short against TCU. Uh, a lot of self-inflicted injuries there, and they couldn't come back from it. They left 21 points on the on the one-yard line. And then Ohio State came out like a monster, battled and played it all the way down to the end, um, and they lose on a go-ahead field goal attempt uh, to win it, and, and they missed the kick. Uh, Trevor, I'm going to start with you. What was your impressions? Let's start with the TCU Michigan shocker. What was your impressions of that game? I'll, I'll say this to start. I, I do believe, and, and tip of the cap to TCU and the success that, they, that they've had this year. But given how the game played out, I think Michigan wins that football game any other day of the year. And I'll start there. You mentioned it a little bit not scoring on the one-yard line, the turnover, the the two pick sixes, um, and, and then just a, a lack of identity of what they've been all year from a physicality standpoint. The fact that Kendra Miller gets hurt, the running back for TCU, who's had an absolutely phenomenal year, and Imari Mercado comes in in relief, 
and has 150 yards on the ground and was breaking off some huge plays. I, I've got it here, 8.8 yards per carry um, on, on 17 carries. And so I think on top of the uh, turnovers and, and the lack of scoring there in, in the tight zone, um, the lack of physicality and stopping the run is why Michigan ended up losing this game. And they were still in it. They had an opportunity to win late. Um, it was a close game, what it turned out. It was not only has it been TCU's year, but it was it was TCU's night again um, in, in this one, in the playoff. Pack, what jumped out at you? And to stack your answer even more so, my biggest impression was that on the, the two strongest things for Michigan all season long, offensive line, we're not banging and yeah. the coaching staff, which has been consistent, buttoned up and, and incredibly detailed offensively. I thought they got cute defensively. I thought they were gambling too much blitzing yeah. all over the place and you did not need to taking that. What was your impressions? How did you see this? Yeah. Um, and are you, do you side with Trevor seemingly any other time those guys would line up Wolverines take it? Yeah, well, I'm going to say, I mean, Trevor, you called this. You said this is going to be a much closer game than than, than a lot of folks thought. I, I was kind of on the other end of that, and, and you know, good job on that. But, you know, George, to, to answer your question, um, I, Michigan just they, – uh, they looked for a team that has been so consistent and so identity-oriented on both sides of the football um, all year, didn't flinch. We're in a dogfight with Indiana, didn't flinch, just stuck to the game plan, stuck to who they were, played sound, played consistent, and ultimately pulled away. Um, they really – it almost looked like they panicked in some of those situations. You know, TCU was loading the box trying to force J.J. to win it. They, they didn't um, go to some easy counter punches, right? Like, all right, let's move the pocket. Let's get some early play action in terms of, like, nakeds, getting J.J. out on the edge, being able to use his athleticism and, and, and use his arm um with numbers because they're dedicating so many hats to the box take some take some relief off the offensive line screen game early they just they went from they went from like who they were um to okay tcu punch us in the mouth now we're just going to throw the kitchen sink at it it's funny george you talked about that is was tcu going to need to throw the kitchen sink right michigan like threw the kitchen sink just because just to throw Second the fucker. play yeah, like just to throw the son of a bitch. And um it, it was so it was so unorthodox and just so out of character for this Michigan team all year. And then on the other side of the ball defensively, you know, blowing cat you know, they they send a corner blitz and the safety rotates to the middle of the field and they get a 32-yard explosive play on that that ultimately sets up a touchdown. Like just just real disciplinary shit that they have done all year long um that ultimately got them there. Uh, just just blew some circuits and some big big time moments and it cost him and when you have a guy like Max Duggan on the other side of the football he's he's played a lot of ball been through a lot executed took advantage of it and JJ with those two costly pick sixes you know it, I think even if a couple of those weren't if, if one of those wasn't returned for a touchdown I think we're talking about a different different outcome but uh, not a different outcome but a, a much closer closer football game but when you when you spot him 14 points um, it, that's that's tough to overcome so um, yeah, I hope that, I hope that kind of answered it, but you know, I, 
I think you roll this out to Trevor's point. I think you roll this game out 10 times, you know, TCU might win two or three. Um, it, but it would have to be stars aligning kind of how it did on, on Saturday. I didn't think uh, the referees took care of Michigan really just didn't take care of the game. They don't have to take care of a team. That yeah. big touchdown they hit in the third quarter where they said he was down on the one. I don't remember the receiver's name. Dagan might have it. He's on the ground, bobbles it, and then he doesn't actually come down with it until he's his back is in the end zone. That's a touchdown. And then what, what – so say it again? Roman Wilson. Roman Wilson. So I thought that was a tremendous, like, what are we doing? And then either it's targeting or it's not. What difference does it make if it's like, oh, it's only eight seconds or 50 seconds or they're only – and the game's out of control. You're, you can't win anyway. Like, you have to call the call. Like, mm-hmm. What else did we do that whole dance for with targeting the last couple of years if you're now not going to call it? And so I thought that was a textbook call. Trevor, do any of those calls in your mind have impact on the game? Or, like, really, is it kind of moot from, from your standpoint? Yeah. The way well, well, the first one, big time. Um, because they – that was when, that was when they turned the ball over the next play when that uh, when they didn't score that touchdown correct they go to punch it in and, and he fumbles the football right yeah correct. and on the interception they spotted it two yards back from where the player actually when when TCU threw the pick right yep. before they yep. threw yep. that That's touchdown right. they they missed the spot by like two two or three yards which was pretty crazy too That's so right so you man. I mean you you really talk about a, a game of inches or a game of a few plays. Well, there, that's textbook, right? Um, that, that's a touchdown. Not only is it six points on the board, um, and it's something we've talked about a lot on here, but that's also an incredibly big momentum shift yeah. in the football game. And and I'm a huge believer in momentum. I'm a huge believer in home field advantage and, and playing on the road and how difficult that is just from an energy standpoint. And, you know, that can truly change the trajectory of the game. And so to, to have that miss call, and I do believe it was miss call, um, I think has a, a huge impact on the game, George. Did we underestimate TCU from a toughness standpoint? And I watched both pressers and I was very keen. And I heard Sonny Dyke say, we were the toughest team on the field today. Like he almost couldn't like wait to say that. Mm-hmm. Did we underestimate them or is, is, like Michigan just that big, bad, and brutal all season long, and we were surprised TCU could stand in there with them. How would you go about that? Go ahead. Yeah, I I was just going to start and say, TCU to me seems like that team, because every every coaching staff, beginning of the season, the offseason, we're going to be the the toughest, most physical team in, in college football. Everybody says it. It's hoopla. But I think what TCU has done, especially with a, a offensive-minded coach, and again, year one offensive-minded coach, they said it so much that somehow not only did they believe it, but they turned into it, right? I mean, they really morphed into it to where by the end of the year, uh, and I'll go back to the Texas game, you really saw a group of guys that had no business being on the same field from a toughness and physicality standpoint show up and say, we may be a half inch smaller. We may be 10 pounds lighter, 
but we're going to stand in here. We're going to play two gap football. We're going to stop the run. We're going to, we're going to stick our screws in there. And uh, so, no, I don't think we underestimated them. I think TCU got better and more physical every single week of the season. And, and, and it is not dropped off uh, as they go here into the playoff run. Hack question for you, really question for you both, but I'm going to roll this with, with you hack first. JJ McCarthy. I, of all four quarterbacks, when we walked into the semis, I thought McCarthy has the biggest breakout opportunity of everybody because the rest of them are known entities. Hell, the, the other three were hanging at the Heisman in New York. And you were right there getting your guys ready. You're the least talked about, the least respected, the least celebrated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you're the youngest. So you got some runway in front of you. Did he prove the doubters right after that performance? You know, I I don't think so. Um, outside of three or four plays, I thought he played really well. Um, and but the problem is, is those three or four plays were were such big game changing plays, right? Just back play, back back breaking plays. Um, but you would expect that from a young kid who's never been in that situation, right? And I think that was kind of the gamble that Jim Harbaugh uh, took and ultimately sided with by, by starting him and rolling with him throughout the rest of the year, right? You had a kid in your program who got you there before had won some games, wasn't necessarily going to make those, you know, just crushing mistakes. Um, But did he have the upside of JJ? No. So they went with that and um, you got to live with that. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and for, for first year, you know, I think he put some things together and we talked about kind of how the system doesn't really require a lot out of that guy. Unlike some other systems that are out there and some other guys that were in the college football playoff, where it was very much driven through the quarterback, the system, you know, it's a little bit of plug and play. So it's really hard for a kid with JJ's talent to, 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 to be put in situations consistently where he has to use those. Right. Um, and, and when he does, it's kind of that longer developmental game. That's why I compared mm-hmm. him to Stetson Bennett. It's, it's, it's a, it's a marathon, not a race in that scenario. And that, in that instance, um, and I really think that the de- people are going to doubt JJ just because, again, the system that he's in and what they expect him. But I ultimately think that you, you take three or four plays out of there and, and he played a fairly clean game and ultimately made some plays to get them back into it. So, um, you know, taking that into account, looking forward for him, I'm really excited about his growth and he's going to have to take a step this offseason and he's going to have to take a step heading into next year. But I think that this is a very valuable experience for that young man. And as long as he takes it the right way, um, I, I think it's going to be good for Michigan fans. And they should be really, really excited about the future with J.J. McCarthy. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think you're, I think you're absolutely right, Hack. And I'm just kind of thumbing through the stats here. Um, this was J.J. McCarthy for this season. This was his most yards. And I know they're stats, right? But... Uh, 343 yards in the air, two touchdowns, and it was his most rushing yards, 39, I believe it was, uh, on the season as well. If you take away the two pick sixes, 
and 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 you mentioned a hack, and, and they just aren't pick sixes. Or hey, I, I sailed one and it went into the stands. He's got two more incompletions, and Michigan finds a way to win this football game. You're looking at it going. I think this was a coming out party for JJ McCarthy because I thought he played pretty good, certainly from a statistical standpoint, but also, you know, coming back from some of those negative plays and, and getting back on the saddle. I thought his mindset was pretty good most of the game. I think yeah. a lot of positives from a Michigan fan base standpoint that you can pull from this one in JJ McCarthy. So let me ask you both this then one did the Michigan offensive staff and game plan hurt him? Because that's what that's what Hack was saying earlier. System. They abandon it like almost out of the gate. First play, you hit an ISO for 48 yards. Then you and you're you're two football fields, two football links from the goal line. You're supposed to come downhill there and gun. We're running the the Nick Foles special. We're doing all this stuff. He was effective in my eyes because of what they had been all season. Now mm. you've morphed into some other stuff. Did the system hurt him? A, and that's for you both. But secondly, look how aggressive they were in sudden change. Every turnover by TCU, every every big like um, yeah. game shifting deal, they came back with a home run. Hell, he hit two or three of them immediately back out of the gate. And again, the back end of TCU was like, it was out to lunch sometime. You got two guys in the same zone. He did read them, but by abandoning their true DNA, do you think that might've hurt them? Well, I, I don't think they necessarily abandoned it. I think TCU did a good job of taking it away. I think it's more so the the way that they called this game. Obviously he needs to own those two pick sixes because I just don't think that they were great decision take the take the system out of it i just think it was a, a young kid making a bonehead knucklehead decision right trying to force something that wasn't there but um the system in terms of evolving and, and being able to say okay our our binky was taken away from us by by this team in the defense what do we do now they did a piss poor job of adjusting and still staying within that identity knowing like, okay, I'm going to do this to get back to this. Like there was no real artistry in that. Um, they just kind of went out there and said, screw it. Like I said, and we're just going to throw everything at it. And I think when you have a young kid like that, it's really hard to put him in that situation because he's never been there before, let alone on the biggest stage for this program at the biggest point of the point of the year for this football team. So I thought he reacted well. I thought they could have done a better job of kind of leading him to water. Um, and, and then also, you know, just trying to play the game within the game of getting back to who they were by, by throwing a couple jabs and a couple things out here that now TCU had to think about and account for. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I do think situationally, George, to, to your example, there was a couple of times where, um, I don't know if getting too cute was is the correct verbiage or or getting away from their original plan, but you again you look at the statistics and they rushed for four point seven yards of carry, so they 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 could you know heck you've always said it hey man hand the ball off you get four four yards of carry just keep doing it you're gonna get first downs you're gonna score touchdowns so the, it wasn't like they were completely shut down and made to be one dimensional I just think in some of those certain situations. 
they, they got they got too cute to use that phrase again and, and just didn't go and, and shove the ball down the throat or, or what have you. Um, and it led to some some misfortune um, and, and lack of points there at the end of the drives. I was surprised on the other side, his his counterpart, Max Duggan, honestly was not William Wallace like he had been in the previous games for them to get there. Now, he played solid, but he wasn't, you know, hair on fire, sword in the air type Max Duggan. He played like a solid game, but he also had some big mistakes. It was encouraging to watch the Horn Frogs rally up around him. And I thought Coach Riley over there dialing it up for him was timely and creative in how they were trying to get it done because they had they couldn't abandon the run even though you're running into the teeth of that defense they stayed in there sprung a few especially coming out of the second half what was your um impressions of max duggan um hack out what do you yeah. think hack go with you first well the two picks he threw you know he, he they were catchable footballs um it you know, just a couple of those unfortunate ones. So, so I think the guys around him need to step up. I definitely don't think he can play like this again and get away with it against Georgia. Right. Um, you know, there was a couple of things he left out there. I thought he played well, but to your point, George, you know, I, I think that this team specifically the defense, I, granted they gave up 45 points, but still the defense had came up with some timely things and they're going to need to keep that up. Um, but Max is going to have to play better next week for sure. Yeah, I think that um, if I'm a TCU fan right now, I let out a big exhale. I say, man, we won that game and we didn't get the best out of our guy, which means he's due for the national title game. And George, to your point, with the, with the rest of the squad coming up around him, that's what makes a great football team. Um, when, when one guy's not necessarily at his best, you got other position groups or the other side of the ball or even special teams step up and take their turn to be the hero. Um, and you had that on an individual basis and, and really is on a team basis in this football game. One thing that I think is important to note is that it's when you're, when you're the underdog and you get up the way that TCU did in this game um, as a coaching staff, a lot of times we see coaching staffs get very vanilla. They mm -hmm. try and run the clock out. Uh, they, they try and get very conservative so they don't start the buses. Up. Yeah. And I think that what TCU did was to, for the most part, they kept their foot on the gas um, and they had confidence in their guys. They kept calling it the way they normally call it. Uh, uh, and, and, and that's a, that's a tip of the cap to the Sonny Dykes to, to Garrett Riley and that entire staff for, um, for finishing the thing out as opposed to getting, uh, getting too conservative there at the end of the football game. Uh, well, Michigan TCU, that's a final, uh, and it's, a, it, it is a surprise, a surprise to most of us, uh, TCU coming out on top. They go to the national championship fellas. They will meet the defending national champs, the Georgia Bulldogs. If you've been with us, the white walkers seemingly invincible, they were not invincible on Saturday night, uh, Georgia got everything they could possibly handle out of Ohio state and at the mercy of a missed Buckeye field goal are going to the national championship, regardless of how they get there. Stetson Bennett has a chance to do what no college quarterback has done in the modern era, back to back national champs. Uh, 
Hack, what was your impression when you were watching the dogs and Buckeyes go back and forth out there? I thought it was everything that that I expected out of this football game. Um, you know, I, I've said it before, I'll say it again, two of the most talented teams in America, two of the best coaching staffs in America, um, and they put on a show. It was yeah. awesome um, to watch uh, both sides of the ball. I thought Jim Knowles did a great job picking and choosing his time of when to be yeah. aggressive. I think Ryan Day did a great job of dialing it up for CJ. I thought he played phenomenal. I think it's just so hard, man. I, like just talking about his legacy and not ever getting over that hump and winning the big games and bringing home the hardware, like the other guys, you know, he, before him, he played well all year. He's exceeded expectations in a lot of ways, but he just doesn't carry the, uh, like I said, the hardware that some of his predecessors do. And it's unfortunate for his legacy at Ohio state, but I think he'll be all right. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, Georgia, just gritty performance. I think defensively did a great job. Um, Stetson Bennett, you know, playing, making an early mistake, starting hot, making an early mistake, kind of just fizzling out there a little bit, you know, the end of the second quarter into the third quarter and then put together one of the best fourth quarters we've seen in a really long time. Um, just, just goes to, to his story, you know, add, add another chapter to his book, man, that kid, he might end up being Chase Daniels in the NFL for 10, 15 years, but if he doesn't move back to Athens, if he pulls this shit off, fuck, I, I don't know what he's doing. Cause he's going to be, I don't know what they might build a Mount Rushmore in Georgia for that kid. So um, phenomenal. Uh, but I, I, you know, one of those games where it could have gone either way, um, you know, you expect Noah Ruggles to come out there and knock that through. Um, he's done it all year, but you know, just, just a great, great football game. Definitely one that, that I'll remember for a long time. Trevor, um, it, just your, your open impressions of the game, knowing that Georgia to, some of Hack's points there, nine yards of play. Stroud, four touchdown passes for Ohio State. He did everything he was going to – you could ask of him, and show, including showing a willingness to pull the ball down in critical moments and either navigate through the pocket and make a big play. He had that big touchdown to Harrison or just pull it down and go get uh, – go steal some yards set for up, to set up the set field up the goal. game-winning field goal. That was huge. And then Bennett. Also to Hack's point, 398 yards passing in a semifinal for a, a glamorous blue-collar team. That's basically what George is. 400 yards, another three touchdown passes on his part. Hack, what did you – I mean, sorry. TK, what did you learn or what impressed you most like watching one of the great games we're going to see in maybe ever? Yeah, I – I think first and foremost, um, the the bad taste about the Michigan Ohio State game from from a little over a month ago is out of my mouth. I thought the way that Ohio State showed up, um, they they answered that call. They played hard. Um, they played physical. Uh, like you guys said, C.J. Stroud came out and flexed his muscles. I think that if if there was a trophy that was being passed around at the end of each season. Um, the wide receiver U trophy stays at Ohio State for another year, uh, certainly with Marvison, Marvin Harrison Jr. and the rest of that core. Um, C.J. Stroud's going to play play this game for a long time. He's going to sell a lot of jerseys in whatever jersey that is at the next level. And so a, a, a really big tip of the cap to Ohio State. And I, I'll say this, too, before we get to Georgia – I think that if Ohio State comes out and plays with that intensity 
against Michigan, it's a completely different football right. game. Completely right. different. Um, and so, uh, again, hats off to Ryan Day and, and that group for, for really getting prepared and playing a good game. But Georgia, the been there before factor and, and the mailman. Um, I think the thing I love the most about Stetson, now the milkman, the milkman. That's right. The thing I love most. Oh, he's he's rebranded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the thing I love most about him is he has gotten to the point where he may have the most confidence on the field in himself than, than any player in the country. Um, and when he's asked to do something, hey man, go win the football game. He has that look in his eyes like he's going to go get it done. It's it's almost like. Man, what is this guy doing? He, he's not nearly as talented as, as the guy across the field from him. But why is he why is he so confident himself? Well, it's because he can go get it done. And, and he showed that, like you mentioned, just shy of 400 yards. He's got a lot of talent. He doesn't have the measurables. He doesn't pass the eye test. But the dude is a baller and the dude has confidence. And uh, Hack, you said it perfectly. If he can get this done here in the next couple of weeks, they should um, – they should do the the Mount Rushmore of Stetson Bennett and All just go ahead and have him sign the contract. <laughs> hey man, you want to you want to come and be a part of, of Georgia faithful forever and and shake hands and kiss babies? Name the price. We'll, we'll sign it right now because that's what you've done for this program. We we have talked at length about how equally talented this game was outside of Alabama. There is no other program that's going to walk out there and go toe-to-toe, position-for-position with Georgia with an equal. And in some cases, an increase. Five stars, four stars, hack set it, coaching staff, the experience, uh, the, the, the talent, the legacy, et cetera, et cetera. Did Ohio State do anything in this game that could have put them at a loss? Like they did, did they did they lose this game? I mean, outside of the field goal, or was it really just misfortune? Because for most of the game, Ohio State had controlled this. They yeah. counterpunched. They led by two touchdowns for a quarter and a half. Twice like, they led by two scores. Twice. Twice could and I'm going to clean up this question. Hat could they have done anything more? That that's 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 the a succinct way to ask it. I mean, like reality, yeah. Make the field goal at the end of the game and go be playing on set on 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 Monday, right? But you know, I talked about that too. You know, it's just one of those things, man. That's why it's so great. Like this game is so awesome. You watch two equal forces collide, and if they play this game, the exact game, ten times, who knows how it shakes out, right? It's one of those games where it's like. I don't even know if it was a play that defined this. There was probably like a minuscule like clock management thing that mm-hmm. defined this football game, which is insane. And you don't really see that that often in college football. And that's why it's so valuable to me in terms of watching it and seeing how it played out. It was incredible. Um, yeah. And Sorry, Hack, go ahead. Uh, you're good, man. Go ahead. Like, I mean, uh, there's no more to say. I was just going to agree with that. When you're watching a football game, take out really getting into the nitty gritty. But when you just have the feeling of, oh, I can't wait for the next drive because something great's going to happen. And it really is, you know, haymaker after haymaker after haymaker as opposed to, all right, they're playing pretty good and then one team's going to fall off or there's a horrible turnover here or, or this, that, or the other. 
it was one of those games that reminded me of the Tennessee-Alabama game this year where you're just glued to the TV. You can't wait to see what happens next. Somebody's going to end up winning the game, whether it's a missed field goal or, or, or just, you know, time runs out. Uh, but certainly one of the best football games that I enjoy watching, um, you know, maybe in the last decade. And like you said, Trev, and, and Michael Felder made this point too, it was just a clean football game. Like yeah. It was just so clean. Yeah. Um, Really, the only thing you can point to is, is Stetson's interception. Yep. That's it. Everything yeah. else, it was clean on, on all sides. Your outlook. Let's just roll to it. Uh, and again, just to reset this, uh, whether in Houston, Tampa, uh, L.A., Fargo, field of 12 after dark, uh, we're taking an exciting weekend with a really heavy 24 hours. Trevor Knight, Christian Hackenberg, George Whitfield, uh, really walking through the last couple of days and going to project forward here. Before we get all that, I want to get you guys' national championship preview uh, of, of what we think. We're going to cover Alabama, the Tulane big win, Nittany Lions holding up for the Big Ten on the biggest stage of them all. Uh, but out of the gate, Georgia is a 12-point favorite. I've seen it go up as high as 13 and a half. How could TCU win this game? Uh, Trevor, I'll start with you first. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I don't think that that line is wrong. Um, and I think we all see that watching these games. And, and again, this is, this is absolutely not taking anything away from TCU. And unfortunately, they've been kind of in this narrative all year. When are they going to slip up? You know, what, They're not quite as good. They're not quite as good. But here they are the first team in Texas, not only playing in the college football playoff, but they're, they're playing for it all. Yeah. Little TCU, Fort Worth, Texas, playing for it all. And you can never take that away from these guys, which is awesome. Um, but they're, they're going to have to, they're going to have to play perfect. And we said that this past week, they're going to have to have two pick sixes or they're going to have to have an absolutely heroic performance by not only Max Duggan, but, but multiple guys, um, all the different, scenarios that you walk through as a team of how you can't what you can't do to get beat turnovers stopping the run uh, um, taking care of the ball uh, in certain situations playing situational football um, even the even a coin flip are we deferring to the second half or are we starting with the ball how are we going to start are we coming out I mean all those different things it's got to be perfect for the Horned Frogs, in my opinion, to overcome that 12 points, which I think is is pretty spot on, as it typically is um, with with these great uh, these be great betting platforms like Bet Rivers. Hack, that's right. Powered by Bet Rivers, field of 12. There you go, Trevor. Trevor Knight, our pitch man. Um, Hack, what do you imagine Kirby Smart and his staff learned the most watching that TCU Michigan game? Well, I think it's tough because uh, I thought it was two completely different ball games. Um, you know, one, like we said, was a lot of sloppy 
you know, interception, fumble, stall out, punt. You know, it was just it was a sloppy game. And then the other one was so clean. I think that the biggest takeaway is is, is some of the things like TCU is is going to be tougher than than I think a lot of people thought. Um, I think defensively they did a great job of game planning a Michigan team that's kind of similar to Georgia. Mm-hmm. So um, I think they're going to find some things there. Um, I, I think I think George is probably going to learn a little bit from from Michigan's passing game um, and and what they can and can't do and how they can set some shots up and take some opportunistic things. But really, I think Kirby needs to be more focused on his team and, and and making sure they come out and play a clean ball game. And if they do what they did against Ohio State, I I just I find it very hard to believe that any team in the country outside of a outside of a handful um, can, can play with them when they're, when they're playing like that can play, can, can play and win uh, and win the ball game. So um, I think he's going to be more focused on, on making sure he gets both it all three phases of his football team prepared to play a super clean football game. As long as they don't inflict any wounds, I think that, I think the line's right. And I think this Georgia team ultimately runs it back um, and, and, and cements their cements their name in, in college football history. Score. Let's just go scores. Now. What do you think it's going to be? Hack go with you first. Um, you know, I don't know, man. I th- I could see it being a 42, 45 ish, uh, like 24, 31 type game tops somewhere to in there. who though? Georgia winning like 24, like Texas, like 24 to 28 ish TCU. Mm. And then like 42 to 45 ish, maybe 48 Georgia. I have no idea yeah. what that was. 20, 48, 24, Georgia wins. Yeah, I, I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong, Hack. Um, this is one of those ones, a lot of the, the situations that we talk about on the show, all of us has, have lived before, you know, talking about playing on the road or playing in a rivalry game and, and, and the emotions and, and how that turns out. This is one that none of us have experience in. And, and so it's tough. I, I do wonder – what it's like playing in the national championship. If it really is everything out the window, it's, it's one day, anything can happen. Feels like, you know, a rivalry type experience. Um, But, but as history shows for the most part, these games end up a little bit closer than, um, than than what the line is. And so I hope for a good game. I think Georgia wins the football game, but for the sake of my viewing pleasure and the rest of you out there, I hope that this is a seven point or less game. Um, so I'm going to, I'll go with, with seven. I'm going to say 42, 35, Georgia wins the game. Same. There it is. 42, 35. I, I roll with you. I don't even know if you saw that. There it is right there. <laughs> 42, 35. That's wild. Cause that happened with me and hack last week with the Michigan mm-hmm. I mean, with the Georgia game. Before so that, we go on, do, do you mind if I ask a question? And we're going to talk about this a lot on pre preseason shows and everything next year. But it's just in my head, and I want y'all's thoughts on it. The Sunny Dykes win ten plus games in year two following year one. <laughs> just yes or no, and we can move on. Without Max Duggan, who's already declared. But they swap out 
Oklahoma and Texas, and they get Memphis and Cincinnati. I'm right? a, no, no, Oklahoma and Texas will still be in until twenty. I'm a. Te- That's right. Just, just way too early. Yes or no? Ten plus wins or not? Yeah, because they probably got fourteen regular season games. I, I say, no, no. I say no. They win eight or nine next year. I think ten might be the number. I, I, I just think that they might snag some quarterback out of the portal who's got some experience. Like after this, you got to, you yeah. got to figure. Well, it might be Chandler Jones who started the year yeah. and got hurt. And them That's oil it. guys, those oil guys will come. They're gonna yeah, rally up 10. and discuss this in LA. Believe that. I think they got they got ten and bowl games gonna be the tenth. Okay. Okay, there you go. Proceed, says, George. Sorry. All my Hack, no, no, you're good. Hack says they will reach ten in their bowl game next year. Could be the playoff. They only gotta be oh wait, are we in the in the twelve teamer next year or no? No. Damn. Well, yeah, gotta wait. I definitely do not see them coming back. Who is gonna be coming back? seems like stronger than ever the roman army if you had a chance to roll with us that is the university of alabama roll tide normally a team in alabama's position first one left out goes to whatever new year's six bowl they don't want to be there nothing tastes good like they just look like they got dumped and they're just going through the motions and a lot of times they walk out there and get knocked out it was the exact opposite so impressed with the just the overall vibe of the team, the coaching, the execution, and really the leaders. Uh, Trevor, I'll start with you first because your team caught Alabama in that situation. What was your impressions when you were watching those guys uh, on New Year's Day? I'll say extremely impressed. Uh, we all know what Kansas State can do. We know they're the far inferior team. And so we don't, we don't even need to have that discussion. Um, they didn't have any business playing in this game. But what I think Alabama did, and specifically Bryce Young, is they flexed their muscles and they said, you guys are really cute talking about us this year. We lost two games by three combined points. On the um, last play of both games. On the last play of both games. And I'll say this about Bryce Young. It is an absolute robbery that he was not represented in, in New York again for the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing against the three guys that went – unbelievable years fantastic players i think they and i think caleb williams deserve the heisman but bryce young is the best quarterback in college football right now in my opinion just because of how consistent he's been how efficient he has been over the last couple of years and he showed it in this game in his presumably and i don't know if he's officially declared but we all we all know that he will He did today. Five he touchdowns. Today. He declared okay, today. Good. Yeah, he declared today. He he didn't even have he didn't even have to ice his arm after this game. He threw 21 passes, but still had 321 yards and five touchdowns in his last game in the in the in the crimson jersey. The guy's unbelievable, and and we could go on and and hack if you'd like to dive into the rest of it. I just was incredibly impressed with Bryce Young and Alabama as a whole in this one. Hack, can we jump ahead? Is Bryce Young first pick of the draft? In your opinion, it's going to go to the Houston Texans. Is he the first pick of this draft? <clears throat> it's, it's interesting. I think it's going to be flavor um, in terms of 
the system, the offense, the coaching staff, what direction they want to go. Um, I think him and CJ are one are, are a one B and ultimately it's going to come down to, to ownership. It, it's going to be not, it's not going to be what they, it's not going to be like tape. That's not what they're going to be talking about. They're going to be talking about, are they a fit or not? So um, I, I don't, I'm not the guy to make that call. I don't sit in those rooms, but ultimately, you know, if I, if I was, if, if I was speculating on whether or not it's going to be one of those two guys, that's going to be the decision that that's going to ultimately make it, whether it's going to be Bryce or, or CJ. Who, who would you take? Who would I take? With that ball club. You got a long runway. They say. Is Pep still there? Who? Pep. If for this scenario, yes. You're the, you're the GM. You got a four year deal. You have to be in the playoffs yeah. by year four. Who are you taking? Um, man. You know, I I'd probably in that scenario, if 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 I got to be in the playoffs and understanding kind of how they're protecting the quarterback nowadays, I'm taking Bryce. Right now. Bryce Young, general manager Hackenberg, Alabama, taking care of business. This is going to feel so good for that that ball club, that program, all offseason. Came close. We already laid out the, the, the kind of the biopsy of how they wound up there. Knock out the second baddest team in the Big 12. You're going to go in all offseason, charged up, hungry. They're going to come in ranked preseason top three and be ready to take care of business. A program that did not take care of business, that was really a disappointment, depending on which side of the coin you looked at. USC, they made an awful lot of noise. We watched them all season long. Everybody was really pulling for them so we could have a West Coast presence, get that big brand back. They did quite a bit, not as much as we had hoped, but everybody kept saying they're a year early. Rockstar quarterback goes to New York and wins it. He's obviously the most exciting player. Trevor says Bryce Young is the best quarterback. Caleb is, I think, the, the most exciting football player. But they don't take care of business against Tulane. 82 years. This is the biggest win for Tulane football. And think of all the Heismans and national championships and all the lore and legacy of the Trojans and Tulane catches him, down 16 points with four minutes left. Trevor, question to you. How badly, if at all, does this hurt USC? And then how are they supposed to turn and get after this defensive deficiency they have? Yeah, I was at the game, and uh, and, and hats off to Tulane. I mean, they had a crowd there in AT&T Stadium, and they were getting after it. I mean, it was their Super Bowl, right? They're getting to play, like you mentioned, USC on the side of the helmets. It, it was it was cool. Um, I'll start with this. USC's offense is so incredibly powerful. I mean, Caleb Williams, after he goes and wins the Heisman, throws for 462 yards and five touchdowns in this football game. You tell me you can't win a football game that way? That that speaks to the level of, of, of just horrificness, if that's even a word. Of, of Alex Grinch and this defense. And, you know, I asked some of the, the folks close to, to the program there at TCU if they're thinking about, you know, making a move at the defensive coordinator position or recruiting different type of guys or, or what what's the issue. Because the, the, the excuse in the Pac-12 title game was, oh, they just didn't play hard. 
Well, then they hadn't played hard all year. And I thought they played hard in this game. But when you've got a running back in, in I think you say it's Ty J or TJ Spears at Tulane, 17 carries, 205 yards, 12.1 yards a carry against USC. That is a tackling problem. That's a scheme problem. That's a mentality problem. That's an effort problem. That's everything across the board. It just cannot happen. And, uh, it, you know, if, if you want to keep giving up those types of yards and that, that many points, you're not going to get to the top. You're going to squeak by because you have a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, but you're not going to get to the top of the college football world, especially when you go to the Big Ten here in a few years. Heck, all of uh, respect to Tulane and I mean just it's a literal hats off performance but to Trevor's point right there they're going into a different neighborhood in a year or two years USC a total different neighborhood there are no you know there are no cows that live in the Big Ten neighborhood how does USC prevent itself from becoming Texas heavy on brand Incredibly sexy, very little power in their punch, very yeah. little finishing ability, and incredibly, well, incredibly underwhelming and underperforming at the biggest moment. Well, the funny thing is, 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 um, th they don't necessarily have that on defense, but they got it on offense. Yeah. They got all kinds of kill and all kinds of firepower on that side of the football. So I, I don't think that the entire team has a deficiency in that mentality. They just got to get it addressed on the defensive side of the ball because the old adage, you know, you, you can score as many defense carries defense wins championships. And at the end of the day, you need, you need us, whether it be, uh, just just some type of pulse from that side of the football, and and I feel like USC all year really hasn't had that consistently. And if they want to get back personnel in the or season, scheme, it's probably a combination of both, right? Uh, I mean, you can't you, one doesn't ever outweigh the other in this sport, which I think is really beautiful. You could have all the talent in the world if you're in a piss poor scheme, you're going to underperform. If you could have no talent and be in a great scheme. And right. it, 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 Slow them it, down. It, it levels you out. Right. So I think that there's, there's a balance there and they got to get that figured out. I think that's definitely something that Lincoln's going to address this off season, um, whether it be through the portal, we know the success that he's had in that, in that, in that, in that sphere, in terms of if he wants to look at it as a talent problem, or it's going to be evaluating a new defensive coordinator and getting a different type of mentality in there and attacking it from the strength staff down um, in terms of how to get these guys playing fast um, fast, physical, and disciplined football. So, however you want to cut it, they got to get it addressed. Like you said, they're coming to the Big Ten. Going to be a different type of mentality that they see from within programs and locker rooms on a consistent basis. All their away games, they're flying at least fifteen hundred miles. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so there's an element of that in there. Um, and, and and ultimately, though, I th I don't think they're ever going to get quite to the Texas world because we just saw a complete debacle on 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 all sides and all phases of, of, of the football team from, from that Texas mentality in terms of how they're getting, they have, they have a lot of hope to look forward to. Um, but if they want to get to sit at the table of, 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 of the godfathers of college football right now, and that dimly lit room with a lot of cigar smoke, um, you know, they got to get that, they got to get that problem fixed. Yeah. Cause I, I don't even know if they know where that room is right now, but yeah. I do know this. Yep. They will be heavy in free agency. It'll be like Ravens, Dolphins, Trojans, 
Packers. They will be spending in free agents. We're going to call it two plays at once here, just like you would when you're in the two-minute offense. We're going to go with Trevor on Tennessee Clemson. I'm going to come back with you, Hack, on Penn State, Utah. Obviously, you guys throw in where you want to, but quickly, Trevor, what was your biggest impression of watching Tennessee and Clemson go back and forth? Joe Milton rises up. It had some big shoes to fill, shined in him. Cade Klubnick still cutting his teeth. What was your biggest impressions coming out of that? Yeah, hats off to Joe Milton. Um, you know, I think Josh Heupel said it perfectly after the game. Guy that uh, came in um, and didn't boohoo me or any of those types of things. He just developed and developed and developed and sat behind his best friend and roommate, which I, I got along with all the quarterbacks I ever played with. But when you're sitting behind a guy um, and, and you also go home and sit on the same couch as him every night, uh, that's, uh, you gotta, that's gotta be a pretty tight knit, tight knit room. That's difficult to do, but um, it was, it was fun to watch him spin it around. And, and I think that um, you, you got to tip your cap to him and, and everything that uh Josh Heupel has done this year to keep those guys where they're at on the conversely on the other side. I think this was the worst case scenario for Cade Klubnik. I, I do believe, and they said it on the call, he's going to be a great player. I do believe that, but I think if he could have come out in this one and, and really spun it around and, and, um, and played like an upperclassman, he would have got even more buy-in for the whole off season and going into next season for Clemson He's going to have to battle for that off the field all offseason for these guys because they want to know that this guy's going to go in there and win football games like the Deshaun Watsons, like the Taj boys, like all the guys that have come before him. And he just made a few too many, whether you call them dumb mistakes or freshman mistakes, he looked a little bit timid out there. So it's a little disappointed in that. This team's I, on the brink of falling out, falling out, getting kicked up out of that room that we talked about. Yeah, I think this next out. year is going to be this next year is going to be real important for Dabo. Heck, we we got effectively thirty seconds. Your thoughts yeah. on your boys? Uh, uh, needed it. They needed it. Um, program needed it. Uh, ha hadn't had a ton of success in bowl games the past few years. Um, you know, hats off to Sean Clifford. Uh, I sent him a text today, dude, that kid, you know, up and down way to, way to end it. Super happy mm -hmm. for him. Great momentum builder heading into the off season. And I think this Penn state team can make some noise in the big 10 East next year. Well, up next for us, uh, national championship down here, SoFi stadium. TC Horn Frogs look to live out this Cinderella story against the defending national champs at Georgia. But ironically, for this college football show, that's the second biggest thing. We're going to end as we opened, thinking about DeMar Hamlin, his family, um, his health, his comeback, his battle. We are praying for you. Every one of us uh, hooked, captivated last night. Uh, just wanting you to pull through as we are right now. So with all the love and support from us, Trevor Valise, Dagan Hughes, Trevor Knight, Christian Hackenberg, George Whitfield, 